welcome to Ball in the Real World. My name is Olga Knowledge. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope everyone's had a terrific week. What a week it's been. Uh, the NBL tipped off, and it's been so good that I was tempted to bring the panel on to discuss, it, because we've had everything. We've had blowouts, close games, overtime games, a teenager dunked and, and landed on his face. We, we've seen it all, but I felt it a bit unfair to sort of go through the, the entire round because there are still two teams we haven't seen. And so we're going to wait till we get through a second round, make sure we've seen every team at least once, uh, and I'll have the panel on, and we're going to go through some of our, our early, perhaps way too early observations. However, this episode, I have a treat for you guys. You know, we, we opened the podcast with Patty Mills as our, our big guest, and we've done our best to try and keep that trend going of having really, really significant Australian and Kiwi basketball personalities coming on. And so to begin, we will have Stephen Adams, uh, current New Orleans Pelicans big man, one of the best back-to-the-basket centers in the NBA. And uh, I spoke to him about a bunch of things, you know, playing under Stan Van Gundy, playing alongside Zion Williamson, signing his extension after he got traded to the Pelicans. And so I had a good chat with him. Later in the episode, you'll hear my chat with Mitch Creek. Creek was coming off a really, really brutal double overtime loss to the Adelaide 36ers. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix went down in a tight one. But we, we, we discussed a whole bunch of things from his team, his time in the NBL, his NBA aspirations. And Mitch Creek is always a good chat. He's very generous with his time uh, and with his thoughts. And so you'll hear that later in the episode. But first, here's my chat with Stephen Adams. Thank you so much for kind of taking the opportunity. I want to ask you about, you know, the start of the season and the idea of preparing when there was such a short turnaround between last season and this season. Was it was it difficult at all for you and the team to to come together and to develop that chemistry in, in such a, a quick training camp and in such a quick turnaround? Um, yeah. Yes, but that, like it isn't the only factor, right? That's difficult. Um, and every team is going through the same thing, right? So to understand it's even playing field, right? But uh, I guess the it was difficult for me because it was the first time I've been a part of like a completely new team, um, new system. But outside of that, personally, as, as a team, I thought we did all good um, for the time that we had together and whatnot. Uh, the boys were very energetic and receptive to a lot of the teachings. So I thought we were able to, yeah, make the most of what we had. One of the other kind of weird things in this season is the idea of the crowds, right? You either have a slight crowd or no crowd or pretend noise. For you, is it is there something about the energy that a crowd normally brings that you sort of have to manufacture now? You know, did, how did, does that change anything for you on the court? Um, it probably has some sort of effect, bro, um, subconsciously. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely... It, it definitely takes away, you know, like there's no feel any, anymore. Um, apart from just like, you, you know, the whole competitive side and you don't really focus too much on the crowd at all. It ain't that. It's more of like um, just the actual noise, the noise itself. And like you cannot hear anything. Your teammates can't hear your calls or anything. Like it's, it's that sort of stuff that uh, has the biggest impact. Do you think that's a do you think that's the sort of thing that's been leading to all these blowouts? We've been seeing games stretch out to, you know, 20, 30, 40 points. Do you think that sort of contributes to to that sort of game? 
it's a bit of a reach, but yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far, bro. But you know, just because there's no crowd doesn't mean your ball goes in the basket. You know, <laughs> for the forty point blowout or whatever. Ever, I wouldn't say that, bro. So. From watching the Pelicans so far, you can see the, the chemistry is coming together. And for a team that does have some new pieces, it seems like it's coming together relatively quickly. Um, have you been surprised at how well that's happened? And especially kind of you putting you in there, obviously under a new coach and a new system. Are you surprised that it, it's seemingly coming together okay? Uh, it's not surprising um, at all. It's to be expected, right? It'd be surprising if we didn't get along, right? Or if you if you're not building any sort of chemistry, that'll be weird. But yeah, there's just a there's there's the normal process for just NBA, right? You you we're under pressure to make sure that we, you know, play together as one. Oh, that sounds so special. That sounds special. When I think of playing as one, I I look at you and Zion, and the sort of chemistry you guys have. Are starting to develop, you know, some of the, you know, he's coming off the, these roles and these nice dump off passes to you, some nice high low stuff between you and him. You know, are you, you know, where, where do you think that comes from? The idea of you two playing alongside each other, it's seemingly working really well. You know, why do you think it is you guys are working really well together? It's what you'd consider um, old school. I mean, I've been doing it since probably first place started basketball, right? There's two big guys. And there, um, and so yeah, it's not seen in today's basketball as much, right? Um, but I, it does put a little, put a little bit, you know, different look for other teams. Yeah, you know I mean, gives them a bit of problems, certain areas, right? But in terms of just like uh, me and him, chemistry-wise, uh, it's something that you do. Like, oh well, we we still have to win like with everything else, but like, it's still something we've still got to find better connection, which we've been, you know, progressing really well, I think, um, over the games. So when you first got traded to the Pelicans and extended, you mentioned one of the reasons why you were comfortable with signing that extension was Stan Van Gundy. You mentioned playing in an old school way with Zion. Stan Van Gundy is that old school coach that, that you mentioned back when you signed the extension, you know, what's the experience been like under him so far? Is it, sort of everything you expected? Yeah. Oh, just to make sure, yeah. Stan, when I said Stan Van Gundy's old school, I just meant that he's old, right? It's <laughs> not <laughs> so, so like he's still, he's capable of coaching today's era. It's not like he doesn't want to change his way of thinking. Okay, just to, yeah. Hopefully he doesn't hear that. Eh? No. Nah. Um, but in terms of expectations, I don't really have uh, much expectation coming in. I, I, I like to operate like that anyway. Um, and just coming, but so far, man, it's been it's been awesome. He's been very honest up front, very hard, puts a lot of pressure, um, high standards. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it's realistic if that makes sense. A lot of the standards. Um, so, I mean, that's 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 all we could really ask for um, so far. As much as I can tell you, to be honest, um, yeah. All in all, good stuff. When you talk about realistic, is that in a sense that, you know, there's an understanding of where, you know, your key players are at this point in their career and, you know, where where this team is as far as how far along it is and, and how new it is? Yeah, there's, it's, it's all the uh, defining your roles, 
uh, for each player, um, just telling them straight up what what you should be doing for the team in order for the team's success, right? And sort of stuff comes into it, man, um, which it, it does get overlooked, you know, around the NBA. Speaking of, you know, head coaches, someone who you've been involved with for a bit, and you, you know Para Cameron has been, you know, appointed head coach of the Tall Blacks. At this point, have you had a potentially had a conversation with him about playing for the, the Tall Blacks for the first time down the line? No. Do you, do you plan to have a conversation with him about, about playing for the Tall Blacks down the line? No. I'll, I'll, I'll give him a ring to see how he's going, you know, more on a personal level and whatnot. But other than that, mate, no. In general, then, the, the idea of him as the head coach, is that something that you obviously know him, you in, in, endorse that, that appointment, and, and you think that's it's a good selection for the Tall Blacks? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Hell yeah. He's a good dude, man. Capable coach. I hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Stephen Adams. As usual, he remained pretty mum on that Tallbacks question, uh, but I, of course, appreciate his time nonetheless. But now, on to an Australian boomer. Settle in for my conversation with Mitch Creek. Mitch Creek, thanks so much for coming on. Um, double overtime. How, how did you pull up physically after that one? It was, it was emotional, it was gritty. You know, how are you feeling? Yeah, really good, mate. Um, obviously, when you go first season of the game, um, you know, the old club, um, obviously new teams across the board, a lot of, you know, unforeseen circumstances have kind of crossed everyone's toes the last, I guess, nine months across the world and especially here uh, in Victoria and South Australia. And we got to play a game. That was the best thing. The boys were excited. Uh, we'd just been a few weeks in Hobart. So uh, we were fresh off the plane, ready to rock and roll. And double O teammate, you are... Uh, you can draw them up, but sometimes just playing in a game like that is is a really good test for not just yourself, but for the team and the organisation for a new start. But um, yeah, look, feel really good physically. I'm 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 really close to where I want to be. Um, knowing a couple of weeks in, I'll be probably where I want to be. Um, but it's been a long off season, so to get out there and run around, mate, was awesome. You going into the season, we looked at you know your preseason games and then this first regular season game. You look to be probably playing the best basketball of your career. Just from a basketball perspective purely, um, you know, do you feel that as well? Are you feeling like you haven't been better than you currently are? Um, I think last year I felt like I never played as good as I could. I never felt like I had a game where I just was like, I felt just unstoppable or I just felt like I saw everything or my passing was, you know, on point. I was making great reads on, on both ends of the court, communicating effectively, quickly, precisely. Uh, I never had a game where I was like, that was pretty damn good. The team was clicking. You feel good yourself and you're like, we can really continue to build on all this. Um, this year, you know, I feel in great shape. I've had a long time to prepare. My knee was the biggest pain in the, the leg. Like, it was just a, a nightmare really recovery for that. But to get back, to be healthy, to be in a good headspace, uh, it's been a treacherous offseason for a lot of people. And you know, the lockdowns, the injuries to me, there's been, you know, troubles along the way, but you get to play basketball. And I feel like I'm just in a great headspace because we get to play basketball after 11 months of layover. So that may have something to do with it, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fit. Uh, I've worked a lot on my craft and I'm just excited to play with, you know, a new team uh, that's very exciting and has a lot of potential. So we weren't a part of your off season, but you guys started with, 
obviously COVID hitting its peak in Victoria, um, you guys having to stop training, uh, guys in your training group getting the coronavirus and then, you know, having to, what was it, you, you got a call saying, all right, you guys are going to Tasmania in the morning. What kind of toll does does all of that take on not just you as a player, but as the team, as you, you're trying to get together ahead of a new season that you don't even know when it's going to start? What kind of toll does that take on you guys? I think people look at it and go, that's such a, a negative and bad experience. Like you got locked in your house for 14 days. You had to get testing. You know, COVID comes in and out. You know, I had two close friends that had committed suicide throughout the, the pandemic. Like it's, it's tough. But at the same time, we have to learn from every, you know, everything that comes across us and, and puts itself in front of us. We have to understand that we can beat this. We can overcome this. We can use this to build ourselves into a greater version of ourselves, you know, of, of the team. And I think so far the team's been super adaptable, um, you know, ability to change on the fly quickly without complaint, without hesitation. As you said, we got a call New Year's Eve at like four, five o'clock and they're like, you're flying out at 7.35 a.m to Hobart for an indefinite period of time and guys like Cam Glidden who's got you know a, you know a young one in, in Penny and in his partner they had to get on a plane and, and and leave you know what how do you tell someone not to worry about that or not stress about that but the team came together incredibly the boys have been fantastic the club's been awesome um you know it, it's been hard but it's really helped and shape us into the team we want to become and you know a tough first double overtime game is a great way to test us but we know there's a lot more tests along the way and we're going to overcome those tests. So we're excited to kind of keep the challenges coming forth because we've been through the hardest part. If other teams have to start to go through that, I feel like that's going to give us a big advantage. So given the adversity that you guys have already had, the, I guess, the opportunity to overcome, um, and then just from the game as well, you, know, you can see glimpses of what your team can be. Um, when it was put together, you know, we saw all the pieces and we thought, a lot of us from the outside looking in thought, this team probably, this team fits. There are a lot of good pieces here. Um, it's sort of, everything just has to fall into place. From what you saw in that first game and just from practice and things like that, how, how close do you think this team is to having everything falling into place and to, to being you know, at its potential? Look, I, I love that first game for us. I feel like Adelaide played pretty damn well. They got their ass kicked, admittedly and, and honestly, but the first game, but then they come out and we know they're going to respond. They're an amazing ball club. Um, they've got great veteran guys. Um, you know, Zita's is going to come in and command a presence and command double teams and, you know, conscious effort to be like, where is he? And that opens up other guys. We feel like we missed a lot of very open, great shots. Um, they made a lot of tough middies. Now, if you look at points per possession and analytics of basketball and you go into the depth charts and true field goal shooting percentages, the numbers play in our favour. We know Cam's not going to miss open shots. You know, you know, Rubens not going to miss open shots. You know, Kyle's not going to, you know, like, you know, I'm not, over time, that's going to play in our favor. So I love that first game for us. The shots we could have made, we come down and miss and they go down and they make a tough one. And then we go down and we get a great open look again and we miss. And then they make another tough one. And then we get a timeout. And now there's a 10 point swing and that can make it very hard to kind of fight through. But we've gone through that adversity and we know what to expect and we know how to play through that even better. So, from now, we can move forward and understand that we're going to trust our guys to shoot the ball and to put it in the hole at a high level. And and I back the team wholeheartedly. Before the season, one of the kind of big quotes that we saw come from, you know, the media was Jock Landale speaking to, he spoke to AAP and he mentioned Melbourne United will go undefeated. 
what are your thoughts on on that sort of confidence coming from i guess the the rival or you know your your neighbor team you know does that light anything inside of you uh if i need someone else's comments to drive me then i'm not doing what i need to be doing i'm not playing the right sport uh, i motivate myself from my goals and what i want to achieve what i want the team to achieve what i want my teammates to achieve in my team i don't want to see guys on my team stay in the nbl i want to see guys like yanni go to the NBA. I want to see guys coming through to be starters and to be superstars themselves. I don't get caught up in what anyone else says because at the end of the day, I've been in that position where I've had all the confidence in the world or someone has that I know and they say something that can really hurt them in the long run. I, I, I back everyone's confidence because they should have it. You should have put in enough time and effort to say things and then to go out and prove those things. So uh, in relation to that and a comment to that, there's no comment. I, I appreciate everyone's confidence for the effort they put in and the time they put in. Jock's a great player. Melbourne's a great ball club. Um, but so is every other ball club. So, you know, it's a long season this year and we have to be ready for however many games we get to play. We have to be ready every single night of the week because every single team is just as dangerous as any other. So I feel like this year and I nearly every year we say it, the league gets closer and closer and it gets tighter and tighter. But it's true. I think this year is going to be exactly the same. Teams are going to be so close. There's going to be a grind every single night. So I'm excited for the challenge this year uh, holds for us. So one of the big pieces in your team this year is Kiefer Sykes. In that first game, he showed a lot. Right? I think if I got a box score, hold up. I think 18, 5, 11. Um, but it almost seemed like he's sort of just scratching the surface of what he can do. Right? He seems like he could be that next star import point guard in the NBL. Um, I heard the same about practice during the, the offseason as well. What, what's your perspective been on how well he's done so far and how good you think he can be in this league? Uh, Keith is a, a great guy. I uh, have a lot of time for him. I love his energy. I love who he is as a person. I've had enough time now to spend and learn about his family, about his kids, about who he is as a person, as well as where he's come from. Everyone's probably seen the, you know, the, the documentary. Um, you know, if you haven't, go and check it out. But one of the things Kiefer does is he brings such an unselfish presence to the group. You know, I'm not sure if people paid attention to just the statistics, but I don't know how many people realize how many times he turned the ball in the backcourt defensively. You know, how many times he put Donald Sloan uh, or Sloan in a uncomfortable position or Crocker or Tease or whoever. He puts pressure on guys. He's a defensive minded like beast. Um, you know, I love how he plays. He, he makes plays for us. He's very unselfish. I'd like him to probably be a little more selfish. Um, they're conversations we continue to have. We want to try and balance being aggressive and then being unselfish and trying to distribute. But uh, he'll come into his own even more so. I feel like that game was probably not a, you know, a great display of his true talents. I feel like he's, you know, far better than what he put on that statistic sheet. I didn't know what he had to laugh for the game. Uh, you never pay attention to it, but he's got such a high skill set that th that should be an average night for him. And I know he demands more of himself. He demands more from us and we'll always continue to push each other. So yeah, the world's his oyster, mate. It's going to be a great season for him. I'm excited to see where he goes. In the press conference after that double overtime game, um, it was interesting. I think a journalist threw a question about Josh Giddy's performance at you. Obviously it's interesting to know, you know, your perspective on an up and coming Australian guy. Um, but you started the answer talking about Brendan Tease and um, the impact that he had on not just that game, but on, you know, the team and, and being able to sit for basically an entire game and then come in in overtime and make plays. How important do you think it is for teams to have 
that sort of guy. I spoke to an NBA player once who told me every team, every title team needs a Greg Hire, right? How important are those guys to success in NBA teams based on all the teams you've been around and the guys that you've been around? Yeah, look, everyone's talking about Josh and his ability to play at a high level. Um, I think, you know, Gids is a great player. He's got a great future ahead of him. We all know that. Um, if you don't think that, then you need to probably really reevaluate your scouting ability and what you're watching because he's a great talent. He's a big body and he makes great plays. Um, he'll develop his game, you know, on and off the court. He'll develop his body and his mind and he'll be a great career. But the true story of last night's game was, you know, Brendan's ability to come in and the amount of people, and excuse my French when I say this, the amount of people that talk about him and say he shouldn't be in the league and he's trash and he's this and whatever else. Like, they're people that don't understand the game. You, you don't understand the game because you don't see what he does behind the scenes. I, I notice a lot of things, like the ability for me to be in a timeout, understand what we're doing, look on the monitor at a delayed, you know, feedback and watching Teasy mentor Giddy on the bench, talking to him, what are you doing here? They go, he, he, he learns and he teaches and he identifies holes and gaps. And then when his number's called, he comes out, he hits two mid-rangers, he has a right-hand scoop floater that he misses, puts Isaac Humphreys in an ability to get an O-board, and an one. That's the game right there. He won them the game. He deserves all the friggin' props in the world because he's a great player and he makes that club great. So for the people that doubt him, good on you, Teasy. Just, I just love what he does. Every team needs that. We have that in guys and we love what they do. But you know, to, for people to try and steer the light away from someone who really turned that game is a bit disappointing because I think he deserved all the props for that game. I think everyone had a great arm wrestle throughout the game. We had game winners, half-court shots, dunks, threes. But that's the true story for me is someone who gets their number called and is always ready. So good on him and um, fair game. You know, I hope that we can steal the next one. But, um, you know, he uh, he's the one that kind of really hurt us in that last overtime. My last question for you is on... Uh, your NBA aspirations. Obviously, they're still there. You, the, there's a reason why you work so hard is to get to that point. Um, you have this season to get through, but where do you think you are in uh, that, that the chase, that the pathway to get back to the NBA um, and to hopefully stay in the NBA? NBA. You know, what, what do you think you need to show and improve on and to, to demonstrate in this league moving forward in order to get back there and stick there? Um, look, I, I think last year was a great start. I had the ability to go back over there. We signed and had an agreement in place, but that just didn't get to go ahead. One with my knee in that second last game when someone had landed on it and I had the injury there, but then there was time where I probably still could have gone, but then COVID forced the bubble and it was a, a, a massive kind of turn of events, but got myself healthy. Uh, I come back this season uh, waiting for the opportunity to play. We have that now. Um, it's going out there now, showcasing that one, I'm fit and healthy. Two, I can play at a high level. Three, I can make my teammates better and help build a winning culture. Uh, I think that's one thing that I can bring to any organization is the ability to then make whatever is in place there even better to build great habits and to build great culture, which a lot of guys need when they have a lot of superstars, they need that glue guy. As we spoke about with TZ, I feel like I can play that kind of role in the NBA. I don't have to play big minutes, I don't have to play at all, but I can have positive effect on any game, on any training, on any day. And that's what I think can make me very important. But when I get my number called, I'll be ready to play. You watch Sean Tate go out there and, and, and do work to put in effort, to play harder than other guys. And he gets rewarded with minutes and game time and 
good stat lines. You know, I had a few chances in, um, you know, in the States when I was there and did the same thing. So it is just time and place. And I just want to try and be as healthy as I can and um, give myself an opportunity. But that's the, the number one, you know, kind of dream behind, you know, playing in Olympic games. And for me, that's why you get up every day and you work so hard. So that's the focus for me, um, as well as just trying to build what we have here at the Phoenix because it's special. And I want to see that grow and flourish into something amazing. Well, Mitch, thanks so much for, for the time, taking the opportunity and good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. That's all we've got time for, everybody. A big thank you to Stephen Adams and Mitch Cree for coming on for a chat. And, of course, to all of you lovely people tuning in at home. For more on the work we do covering Australian basketball, make sure to head to ESPN.com.au. And don't forget to subscribe, Ball in the Real World. Wherever you get your podcasts, hit that subscribe button. We cover everything Australian basketball. You know the drill. Every Wednesday, we've got a new podcast for you. So make sure to tune in, hit that subscribe button, and make sure you're up to date with everything that we put out there. Until then, everyone at home, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next week. Bye.